Songs for the Hills were the immortal words uttered by Anthony Malloy and now etched into Irish sporting folklore after he lifted Sam McGuire on behalf of Donegal for the first time in 1992. It also went on to be the title of a book co-written by Damien Downs thereafter. The victory, sensationally fashioned by Brian McAniff, was won for the little guy, somewhat ironic given that the majority of the ensemble would give Jack's beanstalk a run for their money. But put simply, if Donegal thought they were going in on a wing and a prayer themselves, general opinion was that they just about had a wing. At that, some of the nuts and balls on it were rickety at best. Perhaps surprisingly, Dublin obviously fell into the uh, trap of believing that that narrative as well. Indeed, there were t-shirts on the go proclaiming Dublin Ireland champions 1992 in the week before the match. Surely up there with Liverpool's uh, cream FA Cup final suits as motivational factors par excellence for uh, their opponents. It was the first Saturday in final I was ever at myself. Uh, Meade had defeated our man in the minor uh, final beforehand. Uh, years later, a now uh, former Dunbarn resident, Kimmy of VHS, uh, tape of that senior final. And in terms of a full game of football, as distinct from, say, the closing few minutes of the fourth uh, joust between <coughs> Mead and Dublin the previous year, that day of deliverance for Donegal still ranks as one of the famous matches the one seeing eye here has ever uh, taken in. Joe Cannon's commentary as Declan Bonner crawled over the insurance score before turning to the old holding stand and shaking his fist defiantly towards his people uh, were as follows. Is this sweet for Donegal? It would be a victory that would give a lot of hope to so many counties around the country. And boy, did it. Uh, granted, Down had already lit the torch the previous year, uh, becoming the first Ulster team since a previous down team had actually uh, brought Sam across the border in 1968. But uh, after that, albeit um, painful uh, victory from a main point of view, because as some of you will no doubt remember, it was the year that made um, played the four games against Dublin and two against Wicklow and all the rest of it. Um, that all Ireland final was their tenth game, and as I have said from day one, and will always maintain, 
if they're going to run their minutes or minutes and a half, uh, they would most definitely, I feel, have at the very least earned themselves a draw. But that's not the point of today's uh, podcast. The point for mentioning it today is that, of course, very quickly on the coattails of that uh, down victory came Donegal in 1992, Derry in 93, and uh, down again themselves in 1994. Indeed, there could and should have been another Ulster uh, <coughs> victory tacked on to that as well, only for um, Paddy Russell um, making an absolutely horrendous uh, refereeing uh, faux pas one of two he actually managed to execute in that 95 final the other being uh, the other being uh, his failure to send Charlie Redmond off for about five minutes after he should have done but uh, that he failed to uh, notice that (coughs) Tyrone Sean McLaughlin actually hadn't touched the ball on the ground before driving over what should have been in reality uh, the <coughs> equalising point was possibly one of the greatest refereeing blunders uh, ever committed in Ireland final but then that the said individual was to <coughs> was the one to uh, do it wouldn't be the greatest shock on earth either but um you know is it they're talking about that spell of of dominance for the Ulster teams in uh, the Ireland Championship it is of course necessary to point out that not all the Ulster counties got uh, swept away with the glorious tidal wave. In fact, there are some counties at the top of the country who haven't even lifted the Anglo-South Cup. Uh, Fermanagh being, uh, in fact, possibly the only one left now as further research during the week has pointed out to me. Uh, <clears throat> some will most likely scoff at the following, but the link between sporting success and the general well-being of an area, economically speaking and in other ways, hardly needs any further elaboration at this stage. Um, you know, uh, you could probably take it that it was because uh, the main football team were going so well between 1986 and 1991 that while, um, yes, there was mass emigration and whatnot uh, <coughs> at the time, and look, um, there were a lot of people away, indeed, some of my own family were away, but. Um, it um, 
would also be the case that the football team doing well would have, I'm sure, kept a certain uh, percentage of people, first and foremost, the players, of course, uh, at home. And, um, you know, uh, for a county like Fermanagh, um, the fact that they weren't able to make a breakthrough at that time, or indeed since, uh, would have been a part player, at least, I believe, a, a fairly significant player, but a part player, at least, in the reality that, um, you know, uh, they would have lost nearly a generation of young uh footballers as um trains and boats and planes took their uh as I say a generation of young players away to uh foreign chores and unfortunately I suppose among as well as everything else their um their Gaelic football uh would have suffered uh accordingly but Thankfully for them, and indeed I believe for uh, the sake of the nation, there was one man who, who lit a torch and pointed a way forward. And uh, for, um, you know, as I say, to, to uh, dispatch a bit of light at a time when all most people had in front of them was a very dark tunnel. Uh, as regards Fermanagh and up that part of the country, a local man, uh, a decent man, um, you know, um, a man of incom incomparable vision and a man with the nose and the balls to... to taking a gamble on, on something uh, uh, <coughs> which at the time would have more or less seemed lunacy to anyone else and which he absolutely most definitely made work but above all else I tell you what uh, Sean Quinn is an ordinary human being and uh, he Look, there's no um, need for me to to elaborate on the the um, on the empire which he which he built up for himself. Uh, and at this point, you know, I'm not saying this to iconize Sean Quinn or, or to make him out to be something that he's not, but. I mean, if anyone looked at the Quinn Country documentary that have, that's aired over RTE for the last, for three nights over the last week, rather, uh, you know, he put his hand up in the middle himself that essentially it was his own mistake uh, which landed him in the financial difficulty which uh, basically 
culminated in him uh, losing the the um, the uh, massive business and successful businesses that he he had um, built up from scratch when he started in 1973 but why his case has I suppose stuck in my craw was that you know um, yes he made mistakes yes he lost his own his own uh, businesses and whatever and indeed which is somewhat hard to get your your head and actually ended up uh, going bankrupt but I feel and have always felt and I'm indeed even more steadfast in my feeling now having seen the documentary that well, yes, Sean made mistakes and and was the author of his own downfall in a lot of ways. He um <clears throat> he uh, you know he was left carrying the can uh, for mistakes that were made by other uh, so-called. Um, more intelligent, more important people than he. Now, I'm not going to name names, but uh, I would feel that the major part of the problem here uh, would have went above even the government of the day and uh, indeed was exacerbated and made worse by the... uh, (coughs) people who the government uh, appointed as heads of IBRC to um, uh, sort out the mess, so be it, or, you know, um, you know, I've never met John Quinn or, or, or um, yet, anyway, hopefully I will someday, uh, but I just felt disgusted by the fact, and I know I'm far from alone in this feeling, as anyone who can recall the the demonstrations which were held in support of the Quinn family at the time of the test, that uh, yes, he made his mistakes and put his hands up and admitted to as such, but, um, you know, uh, I just feel that he was left carrying the can for for more than what he himself was actually responsible for, and, you know, that is not for a moment to... um, to uh, condone or try to justify any of the heinous acts of criminality which were carried out by those purporting to support John and his family because essentially on what grounds I 
would have. <clears throat> on what grounds these people thought they would be supporting Sean or his family or his play by carrying out the heinous uh, acts of criminality and interfering that they did, I don't know. But I would still uh, stand by my uh, belief that um, basically that the Queens were left carrying the can for uh, more than what they were responsible for. And I think, and this really just stuck in my crowd, this thing of... of uh, talking about the Quinn levy on insurance, I think that is an absolute disgrace to have uh, um, attacks labelled on one man and his family. I mean, you didn't see a Judas tax being brought in when he betrayed our Lord or anything like that, so why a levy could be named and uh, more or less allowed to proceed, legally named as such, I think, is downright insulting as well as being uh, wide of the mark. Uh, because at the end of the day, if those who are in positions of power to advise people uh, had carried out their duties as according to what they should have done, I don't believe for a second uh, that any of this uh, mess may ever have, uh, have materialised from from a Quinn perspective, then obviously there was a global downturn all over the world, but certainly from the Quinn perspective, I believe that uh, there was um, there was a lot more investigation and uh, a lot more um, <coughs> restitution could have been attained from other individuals um, than what was the case at the time. Now, uh, <clears throat> you know, to a certain extent, I suppose it's, well, it'll never be walled under the bridge for the simple reason that, um, you know, um, it has, of course, affected everybody at, at, at all levels of society. But what really irked me about the, uh, well, we'd say about the program, let's say, was the fact that, you know, that the glee certain individuals who were part of the program, uh, very visibly took in uh almost gloating at the at the at the Queen demise. I mean it says a lot for other sections of the media when you end up 
thinking more of Fintan O'Toole by the end of a programme than you do before it. But there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that the uh, Dublin-based media um, were far too gleeful in their uh, in their dealings with the Quinn situation and the so-called uh, impartial person that was appointed to uh, clean up the mess uh, couldn't hide their politically motivated glee in in uh, in what the general uh, outcome uh, in what the general outcome was with regard to the the, the Quinn family you know and and of course, I keep saying the Quinn family, but you must remember, like, I, this is not just the Quinn family, it's a, it's an entire community and, and uh, industry and uh, many different strands to those who are affected. And, and you know, um, but essentially, like, it does, it goes back to basically... Uh, Sean Quinn having a stupidly big bet on something that it would basically be akin to somebody back in two horses in a two horse race and the two of them falling. Now to put it into um to put it into uh context basically what they were dealing with was a thing called uh, contracts for deference. Now I will, I will admit, I didn't know what they meant until the documentary either. But what it was, um, what it basically came down to was, uh, um, betting on what way the. Uh, Anglo-Irish bank share price was going to go and of course if you throw all your beans into one basket uh, on a bet um, you know and it goes down well you're going to um, you're going to uh, carry the can for that yourself but whether instead of an ordinary bucket uh certain entities should have been left carrying a five thousand gallon tank on their back is entirely another issue but um i would hasten to think that uh we may not have heard the last of certain entities uh, affected by this um, matter and uh, but the documentary was certainly eye-opening and a combination of saddening and maddening all in one but it wouldn't surprise me if there were another twist or two in the tale to come just yet.